nothing if not professionals here at the Internet Football Podcast. That's right, and welcome everyone to the third episode of the Internet Football Podcast. Man, three episodes in. We're doing it, boys. We're doing all right. I, Logan Hornstein, am doing pretty all right. Ooh, God, guys, hold on. I just tore my ACL. No. Why? Well, everybody, we're going to have to find a replacement for Graham. 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 Really, dude? Oh, my gosh. And uh, I guess Tyler fell off a cliff after last week, so now it's going to be a two-man show. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, To get official introductions out of the way, I, as always, am Steven. Uh, joining us from the hospital bed slash unemployment line is Graham. Call the doctors. Amputate. And unfortunately, uh, Tyler could not join us this week. Uh, he had to take an early bye uh, in terms of new employment, so uh, he should be with us uh, hopefully next week. Uh, but for this week, we'll just hold down the fort, and we'll uh, you know I've I've already taken uh, Tyler's picks and you know game picks and uh, fast question picks, so uh, he will still be officially a part of that, just not here to give us his input this week. Now we can say all the things about Tyler that we've been thinking that we've never said before, like how handsome he is. I love Tyler's team. Uh, what, you mean the Chargers? I know, right? Like, man, what a game. Dueling the defending Super Bowl champions to a near draw. I, I'm going to be honest, I'm actually a little bitter about that. Like, I, I should be happy. I should be happy as a Chargers fan that a rookie, at, with about 10 minutes of notice went out and dueled Patrick Mahomes and the defending Chiefs to an overtime, like, an overtime loss. But I'm bitter. We should have had that. I mean, Justin Gogert went out there and just did a great job, didn't he? Put some respect on that rookie's name. I'm just saying that Justin Yogurt went out there and did a wonderful job. Oh, my gosh. He, yeah, no, Herbert, definitely. <laughs> Why'd you go with Yogurt and not Sherbert? I because I ran out of time. <laughs> we have nothing but time. We have. We, what do you mean you're out of time? The play clock ran out. Graham tore his ACL. He's had a busy start of the podcast already. Game clock management. What is this like? Old school Andy Reid. Hey, he has a Super Bowl trophy now. We can make fun of that even more. I know. Uh, all I wanted to do was have him lose that Super Bowl because I I was so bitter about how terrible his clock management was, but. Oh well. No, no re- real talk. No, like I, as much as I don't like the Chiefs being a Chargers fan, like I don't think I was happier for anyone on that team more than Andy Reid after all the time that he's given into the NFL to finally get that Super Bowl ring. And especially how close he had already been a couple of times before. It felt like the only thing missing from his career was a Super Bowl. Like with all the NFC Championship games he went to and won when he was in Philly. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, but but that was last season, and this is this season. And it was a very busy week, too. Um, you know, some fantastic games, some not so much. Um, but unfortunately, the biggest storyline is just all the injury. No kidding. You know, I, I believe the stat was, what, seven torn ACLs in week two? Graham, did you have the list for that one this week? Uh, let's see. Um, do you want me to just go through the full list or just the ACLs? Let, um, ACLs for this one. Okay, so the first obvious one is, uh, Saquon Barkley. 
who my friend paid twenty five dollars for to draft number one overall this year. So <laughs> to him. shows him right for not picking McCaffrey with the first overall. Let's be honest, Logan. You chose Saquon. Yeah, second. Uh, I was luckily uh, in like third, so I didn't have to pick him at all. Well, we'll brag about it. Mm. Well, Graham, I have Alvin Kamara, who just destroyed me in fantasy last night. Way to go. Bosa. Uh, Bosa has his ACL torn. So Yeah, I saw I saw that one. Um, Cortland Sutton now to Denver. That one kind of shocked me. I, I, I knew he'd been hurt week one, but he came back, and then it was like, yeah, no, he's done. I'm like, that's shocking. Um, not, not that Drew Locke was going to be able to throw to him, at least for the next few weeks, because, of course, he had a shoulder injury, and now he's sidelined for the next few weeks. I'll just go through the whole list, uh, regardless of injury. Uh, let's yeah, see. go ahead. Saquon with his ACL, obviously. Sterling Shepard with his toe, which seems like nothing by comparison. Garoppolo's ankle, Bosa's ACL, Solomon Thomas's knee, Raheem Mostert's knee, Drew Locke's shoulder, Paris Campbell's knee, Malik Hooker's Achilles. Can't ever trust that fucking hooker. Uh, Anthony Barr's shoulder, Mike Boone had a concussion. Cam Akers hurt his ribs. Rashad Perriman hurt his ankle. Quincy Wilson had a concussion. Caleb McGarry had a knee injury. And Byron Jones had a groin injury. Like th- This is a rough week, too. Um, I mean, like... Not even, you know, like, just the whole list um, is pretty, you know, pr- pretty lengthy. And, unfortunately, I think it's, like, while we're all happy that football ba- is back, I think we're just starting to see uh, the downside of not having a full off season or preseason to get workouts. And I know that's been a big point of contention with players in the past of, like, hey, you know, preseason just serves to get us hurt. It's like, well, yes, but that off season is really critical. Um, and this is almost serving to prove that. I totally agree. Like, it it does stink when people get hurt in preseason games, but more often than not, those preseason games sort of limber the players up and get them ready for the regular season. Guys, I've got great news. Let's see, great news. As we know, Colin Kaepernick has been waiting for his chance in the NFL for years now. And now that Drew Locke has been hurt in uh, Denver... Uh, they went went ahead and signed Blake Bortles. So owners and GMs just don't want to touch Kaepernick because of the fact that he's actually standing up for social justice, correct? Because you've got to believe that Kaepernick is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles. I I would I would argue so. Kaepernick with his off arm is better than Blake Bortles. Hey, did Blake Bortles ever go to the AFC Championship game? Yes. Did Kaepernick? No. No. <laughs> You're right. You got me there. That's a, that's a compelling math. That, that is, that's a very good point, Stephen. I concede the, the Broncos are geniuses for signing Bortles. All joking aside, that is mind-boggling to me. Uh, assuming that Kaepernick does want to be on a team at this point. Um... But yeah, I, I, I don't get it, you know, and, and actually just looking at this last week too, I saw something that was absolutely insane is just, it was a list of all the starting or all the quarterbacks who are currently making more than Cam Newton right now. It's insanity that this man who took the Seahawks to a, you know, it took 
to a a goal line stand for them to stop him. This man's not going to make two million dollars this year. Like that is not his contract. It honestly makes me upset that the uh, Colts didn't take a flyer on him. Right. Uh, you gave you gave Philip Rivers a twenty five million dollar contract, and Cam through two weeks has greatly outshined Rivers. You know, it's no. not it's not like I'm upset with Rivers either. It's just. I mean, Cam Newton was there, and we decided to go for the little more rotten fruit that was right next to it. But it's but looking at his base salary of one point seven five million, I'm just looking at this list. It's like okay. In terms of like, there are backups on this list making more than him. Matt Barkley is going to make two million. Colt McCoy is going to make two point two five. Andy Dalton is going to make three million. Marcus Mariota is going to make eight point eight million. All these guys are backups. And, like, Cam is leading this team. And arguably, you know, this is going to be a fascinating matchup between the Raiders and the Patriots this week for week three. Um, but, yeah, it's like arguably he has the chance to start off two and one. I'm uh, I'm not going to lie. I was not rooting against Cam Newton, but I'm just rooting against the Patriots as a foundation. Yeah, yeah I do feel, you know, it's like, no offense to Cam, but uh, Patriots, you've had your time. Please stop. Uh-huh. Oh, but Graham, they didn't even make it to the AFC Championship game last year. Oh, man. How nice was that? Thank you, Tennessee Titans. Shout out to you, Tennessee Titans. You the real MVP. Absolutely. And you know, one day we'll talk more about the Titans. Uh, We'll talk about the Titans more in depth in our three-game segment, but that is not going to be the case this week. We have a couple others. Uh, before we go into our three games, I just want to do three quick shout-outs to Patrick Ricard, Jacob Johnson, and Alec Ingold. You three were fullbacks who made it into the end zone this week. Crack yourself open a cold one and have a great Tuesday afternoon, boys. Hey, hey! not only did Alec Ingold uh, score a touchdown, he is the first Raider to score a touchdown for the Las Vegas Raiders. That That is a trivia question, folks. Uh, sa- save that for trivia night. You might earn yourself a cold one, much like Mr. Alec Ingold did. Head to the Mirage and pick up those strippers on cards that are littered all over the Vegas streets. It's on the house. They can enjoy a nice 70-pound steak. He is 63 pounds lighter than Patrick Ricard. Okay, maybe not a full not a full 70-pound steak. Just go light. Go with the 63-pound. Like. Take it easy, boys. He might need to be scoring next week, too. But I'm proud of all of you. You did the position uh, proud. I'm, I missed Graham's love of the fullback in week two. Uh, Glad it's back. You too. That'll be my new segment uh, this year. From this point on, Graham, Graham throws out his fullback. That's a little too creative of a name for this show. All right. Uh, Logan, did you have any shout-outs for week two before we move on to week three? Shout out to my dog, Hamilton. I just miss him. Hammy, if you're listening to this, and even if you are, I know you're too deaf to hear me, but I miss you. Hamilton, how did you learn to work the computer? Clear his browser history. So much dog porn. I'm talking Logan's. So was I. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, shout out to Hamilton. Shout out to all those fullbacks out there. And... You know what? Shout out. I'll give my shout out to LJ Collier and a little bit of Seattle bias here, but after a pretty rough rookie season, making that goal line stop, you know, 
that's how you that's how you earn your spot on the line. You know, your future's looking bright. Now keep doing that. All right, but we're going to move on to week three, and we're going to start with our first game of the week. Uh, going off of the injury report, uh, I wanted to start this week uh, by talking about the 49ers and the Giants matchup. Um, you know, this, you know, I'm obviously it's not necessarily, it's not a super high key matchup. Um, I mean, with the Giants starting 0 2 and the 49ers uh, going 1 1 to start. Um, but obviously these two teams, you know, 49ers were suffered a plethora of injuries, you know, that I, I don't know what the return table for, uh, like Garoppolo is, you know, might be a couple weeks out. Uh, but to lose Bosa like that, and I think Tom, Solomon Thomas is out for the year too. If someone wants to check me on that, but I think they lost both of them for the year. That, that's two people on that line that the 49ers really, relied on to make that Super Bowl run last year. Um but yeah, it's it's just crazy like and with the Giants losing Saquon like that, um I just wanted to kind of open up this segment by asking everyone at the table right now, who like between Nick Bosa and Saquon Barkley, who is the more like who makes the most immediate impact in terms like this is going to hurt like a lot. Like who's going to hurt more by missing that person? As much as I think it does hurt to miss Nick Bosa, the Niners have spent a surprising amount of capital in their defensive line. So, I mean, losing Solomon directly after that will also hurt, but looking at their depth chart, they're deeper than most teams in the defensive trench. I think they'll be okay, but obviously not super great. I think losing Saquon Barkley for the Giants is going to have a giant impact on their offense. Because they, I couldn't tell you they're running back without having to look it up behind Saquon. I could tell you, and I did pull up some stats for this one, because I'm actually in agreement with this one. Like, while it, you know, Nick Bosa, Rookie of the Year, and, it, like, it hurts to lose a player who's just a, a rising star like that. Um, arguably... Like, the Giants have that in Saquon, you know. And, you know, I actually looked this up because I was thinking about, yeah, who is, uh, like, who have the Giants running backs been? Because, I mean, I grew up watching Tiki Barber, right, for the Giants? And and that was a prolific name in terms of Giants running backs. That in-between time, I'm not, I, I feel like there wasn't a whole lot, like, to cheer for. They had Ahmad Bradshaw for a little bit, I know. Mm-hmm. No, I know that, and yeah, and I looked it up, and he, uh, you know, like before Saquon got drafted, the Giants had not had a a one thousand yard rusher since Ahmad Bradshaw did it in twenty twelve, and the fact that Saquon did rush like in his rookie season, he ran for thir- like for one thousand three hundred and seven yards, and then last year, even missing a few games, he only played in thirteen games, he did get over the thousand mark. I mean, it was a thousand and three, but that's still like that's two back-to-back seasons of over a thousand yards rushing, and I know a lot of people don't have like a lot. You know, they don't have high hopes for the Giants. You know, they're not expected to even make it to the playoffs this year. But it, it just it hurts that progress. Like when, when you don't have a running back that you can rely on like that, Daniel Jones is going to be forced into a lot more throwing positions. And the fact that I think Sterling Shepard, I mean. You mock a toe injury, but I mean, if he broke it, I mean, he take him out for a week or two, you know, or more. But like, he's gonna have to throw a lot more. 
Like, unless Gallman can step it up as the running back. But, I mean, it, no offense to the man, but I don't think Gallman's a Saquon. No. I mean, uh, right now, I mean, they had Dion Lewis step in as the backup once Saquon went down. Uh, I hear they're working out Devonta Freeman. See, that would be a gr- that would be a great veteran pickup, to be honest. Uh, honestly, I think even if you put those four 49ers injuries together, it doesn't add up to one Saquon. I mean, he is just their whole team. If if he isn't doing well, they have no chance of winning. And if he's not playing, they absolutely have no chance of winning. I mean, I'm not going to depend on uh, Daniel Jones being able to lead this team to victory at all. Like, yeah. I, it doesn't matter if they're playing the Jets or, I don't know, the Jets' second string. I don't think they'll win that game. See, but that's... You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, they, I mean, the Bears are 2-0, and you know, but the Giants almost, like, they almost brought that back. They could have easily been 1-1, and um, you know, a little bit of time mismanagement at the end, but, like, it, they've been in two close games, you know, like, Steelers are hard to beat, I'm not gonna lie about that, even in, like, even when you're in your home stadium, like, Steelers are gonna be tough to, like, a tall order to beat for the Giants. But then, like, the Bears were a good chance to win. You didn't. So, in unfortunately, that's one of those, like, you know, like, you need to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. But at this point, like, with, with Saquon out and with, you know, like, now having to rely on Daniel Jones for the time being, who are you supposed – who are the Giants supposed to beat? Like, honestly. I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that – the Giants, even in their current state, could probably beat the Jets. I'm not saying they're going to curb stomp the Jets, but I think they could beat them. Okay, I'll Man. give you that. They could beat them, yeah. Man, if only the Giants were playing the Jets this year, but they're not. No, they're, they play, um, they're playing the AFC North this year, which means you have to play the Ravens and the Steelers and the Bengals and the Browns. Like, so... Division games, you can almost never trust. I mean, you can guess, but division games are always played tough, so I could see them splitting the season or splitting the series between Washington. But looking forward, it's like, I at this point, are we talking Giants or tanking for a top five pick? I mean, probably, which is kind of weird because they're almost uh, assuming that they start doing poorly, which I sort of assume is the case. I've been surprised before. Cough, cough, Jaguars. But it would be fun to see if the Giants do get, let's say, a top three pick. Are they going to replace Daniel Jones? In you know, basically what Arizona did with Josh Rosen, sort of kick Rosen out while he was still young just because a new hotshot guy's coming in? <laughs> or are they going to do what the Giants did and say, eh, Okay, quarterback, let's get something else. What, like when they got Saquon? Exactly like when they got Saquon and everyone said, oh, take a quarterback. And the Giants were like, nah. But who do you get at that point? Because, like, Saquon's your future. What do you get? Like, You could get another offensive lineman. You could probably get a really elite pass rusher. So, or I think 
what would behoove them the most is if they traded down, got some more picks, and built out their roster a little bit better. You know, maybe you don't get, like, one of the premier, premier cream of the crop, like Chase Young, Saquon Barkley types, but if you can trade down and get, say, maybe an extra first-round pick and, like, an extra second-round pick or something, I think that would go a long way for them. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. There's still a lot of season to be played, honestly. Like, it, it's tough to say in week two, like, oh, better start tanking. But, I mean, knowing what you know, like, in you know, and that's weird because, like, the Giants could probably be in that mindset. But the 49ers, like, it, you're talking about a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Like, in their minds, they're still thinking, get back. I'm sure. But here's a fun stat. The Niners are the only team in the NFC West that have lost a game. I know. And it was to the Cardinals. So, like, it it was unavoidable. Like, they, you know, someone in that someone in that division was going to be one and one. Or tied. Or tied. They, they could have. They didn't. But, you know, like, the Rams beating... Did they beat Dallas week one? Yeah. Dallas and then Philly... I think it was kind of a statement. I didn't really expect them to win both of those games. Um, Arizona winning two games now looks like less of a fluke because they're just putting points on the board. Yeah, yeah, Graham, I, I think we got a little too crazy last week believing in the Washington football team that much. Arizona handled them pretty dang well. Yeah, they did. Uh, Christ, Hopkins is just a force. What can I say? I know, but and then and then the Seahawks. I, I see where you're going with this, Logan, because like, the Seahawks are two and zero after playing two very hard fought games. I mean, Falcons was just you know a shootout, but that Sunday night game, that was so good. It was just so fun to watch. Like that was so fun to watch, like all the way through. Um, but the, I think, a question that kind of came to my mind before we started recording was, you know, like it. So both of these teams are sitting at the bottom of their divisions right now. Who's in more trouble being in that position? I, I honestly, it's got to be the 49ers because clearly the NFC West in these early stages is showing like you can't slack in this division. Like if you get behind, it's going to be hard to catch up. Here's why I don't think the 49ers are in as much trouble as the Giants. I think the 49ers have a better coach, and I think they have much more depth all up and down the roster. So, losing your starting quarterback, obviously, is devastating. Losing your best defensive lineman is going to stink. Losing your best running back for the year in Mostert uh, is going to be a huge loss. Is he out for the year? Uh, I thought so. I just kind of assumed he was. Well, regardless, you're not going to have him for the next couple of games. He, he's doubtful, so he's not on injured reserve yet, but he's definitely doubtful. I'm saying he's going to be hurt for at least a little bit. I'm calling it right now. Raheem Mostert, you proved me wrong. He's out multiple weeks. Mild sprain yes. of the MCL. But I think they can make up for those injuries better than the Giants can. And sure, their division is kind of stacked, but the Niners have a couple of easier games where they can maybe, you know, make a run at the postseason. Hope that the Rams and the Cardinals and I guess make a pact with the devil to get Seattle out of the playoff hunt. Yeah, good luck with that. But I think they sort of have a chance. I don't think the Giants have any chance to make it in at all with Saquon gone. 
the 49ers' next four games kind of look a little fluffy. They've got the Giants, the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the Rams. But then they mm. do the Patriots, Seahawks, Packers, and Saints. Ugh. See, that, that's like this is a schedule that you're looking at, like you needed those wins. Like you needed that week one win. You need to win these quote unquote fluffy games because you're about to go through the gauntlet midseason. Yeah. Like, and I don't, and honestly, after the Dolphins, I don't see an easy game except for maybe Washington. But that's it. There is not an easy game on the 49ers schedule. I mean, the Wash, the Washington football team and the two games against the Rams are probably their easiest after the Dolphins. I mean, it's going to be a tough slate for them. Yeah, well, and I guess that lines up with something. You know, I actually had this thought of, like, how hard is it to, like, for a uh, Super Bowl team to make it back once they've lost? And I found an interesting one on CBS that, you know, actually went through and explained, like, the past 10 Super Bowl uh, runner-ups and, like, how they fared in the next season. And it was pretty... You know, it was pretty impressive to see, like, they, uh, like, a lot of teams do struggle to make it back into the playoffs. Just, uh, very quickly, fuck the Patriots, because I know they're coming up. Oh, I mean, well, yes, I mean, I know they are. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, starting back in 2010, which was the Colts, you know, after that Saints loss, um, yeah, I know, you gotta love to start with that, right? Goddamn 2010s. Yeah, same. Hey, at least you went to the playoffs in the teens. You did, you did go that year, but then you, uh, yeah, you lost to the Jets in the AFC title game. I know, I know. Shout out to you, Mark Slantchez. Yeah, you know, then the the 2011 Steelers, um, they, no, I think they missed that year. Get bone Steelers. Nope, no, no, no. They made it that year, but that was the year of the Tebow 80 yard touchdown pass to Thomas. Uh, but yes, you you knew that the Patriots were coming up. Um, they lost the Raven, you know, like they after they lost Super Bowl, they went and lost to the Ravens, which led us into Ravens Forty Niners. Um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting. More teams in this past ten years have missed the playoffs than made it back, I believe, or like, or they have definitely not made the Super Bowl. I think the Patriots are the only team to do it. it oh wait, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm right because the because the Broncos did not make it after forty after forty eight, but they won fifty. So they did have that. And you know, it's it's not true statistics. You know, like we something I learned, you know, is the gambler's fallacy is like when you see a streak, you're you tend to believe that it's going to happen. But like it, you know, everyone plays sixteen games. Yes, there's a strength of schedule thing, but it's like just because they didn't make it to the Super Bowl, you know, just because history is not on their side doesn't mean they can't go back but it's going to be a very tough slog for it was going to be a tough run for the 49ers to begin with and now you're playing without some of your best players at least for a little you know some of them for the rest of the year some of them for at least a few weeks so speaking of uh super bowl teams who didn't make it back the next year do we want to go ahead and pick this winner and then move on to the falcons i mean unless i mean i I think I brought up everything I wanted to talk about this game, unless someone else did. I mean, I'm I'm good to put I'm good to pick now. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, we're getting the Falcons next. Um, but let us start 
49ers go man okay this is actually something that's like crazy to me is that they just went to the Jets and now you have to go back like you have to he played in New York now have to go back to New York they didn't fly him back to San Francisco did they I bet they did because I don't think you can use another team's practice facilities with the COVID restrictions gosh you're right man that's tough okay but yeah so 49ers at the Giants who are we going with uh, let's start with Graham on this one, since you're so eager. Man, uh, I'm going to say the 49ers win by, like, two. It's going to be a bad game. Don't even put it on your TV this week. If you have the option. Because some, yeah. some areas just don't. Um, Let's go with Logan on this one. Uh, I'm going to also go with the 49ers. But I have a little more confidence in them than Graham does. I think they will still be able to run the ball pretty effectively on the Giants' really weak defense. And I think their secondary will not get completely torched by their passing game that is now, as odd as it seems, it has taken a hit with the loss of their running back. Uh, So I'm going to say the 49ers by, like, 9. By 9. Okay. That's fair. Um, I, man, this is tough for me, honestly. Like, I mean, it shouldn't be because my instinct just says go with the 49ers. I mean, this this should be a game that New York does not win. Um, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think the loss of Saquon is almost too much to overcome in terms of, like, offensive production. And I honestly have faith in Nick Mullins as like if I had to have a backup, like he proved himself back when Garoppolo was hurt the previous time. So he's got some he's got some love on that side line. And uh, yeah, I, I I can't go against the 49ers this week. Um, I'll put it by seven. I, I think it'll be a touchdown. You know, I, I think the 49ers are going to play a little hesitant, too, because of the uh, because of all the injuries on the same field. So they'll probably like. They they may not play as hard, you know, or like be be a bit more a bit more conservative. That's why I don't think this will necessarily be a high scoring affair. But we'll see how this goes. Oh, and uh, for those at home who are wondering what Tyler picked, uh, he went with the 49ers as well. So I think we're all in agreement on this one. Now, as Graham so eloquently uh, put, we have a previous Super Bowl loss. A Super Bowl loser to talk about, and not only a previous Super Bowl loser, but the owner of the largest playoff deficit given up. Falcons hosting the Bears this week. I think Super Bowl deficit, not playoff deficit. And, and playoff. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Right, right. Sorry, sorry. Like, yeah, my bad. But yeah, Super Bowl deficit. The the infamous twenty-eight to three. It's. Man, how do the Falcons bounce back from this? Yeah, well, like, cause I, I did, I looked into it. I'm like, there's like, how big of a, how big of a loss was this? You know, like, how, how much, like, how bad was this choke? You know, in terms of like point deficit, and is their fourth largest in team history? Only fourth? Only fourth, and I'll, ru- I'll run it through with, through with you guys. So the largest is the infamous twenty-eight to three. Easy, you know, we all know what happened. 
if you're a football fan. Is this is this just by the lead given up, or is this like a a points to time ratio thing? This, this is leads given. This is the lead given up. So the second one, uh, then they had two where they gave up twenty one, or they had twenty one point leads and lost it. Um, the first one being back in two thousand three when they led twenty one to nothing after the first quarter, and then they lost thirty eight to thirty one versus the Titans, right? Then in twenty fourteen they had a twenty one to nothing lead against the Lions in the first half, only to lose twenty one to twenty two. And the Lions have been steeped in the blown fourth quarter lead. So now, and this is why I'm bringing this up, like it's not so much like the point differential, like obviously the Falcons scored more, but there seems to be this trend of like when you when you're the Falcons and you go into the first half with a massive lead, you're gonna lose it. <laughs> like it, this is like they were up twenty nine to ten at the half. And and the first quarter was twenty to nothing. I thought it was done. Like Red Zone stopped showing the game at one point. They're like, we kind of know how this is going. Oh my god, I'm so grateful for Red Zone though, because that's the only reason I saw what happened in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout shout out to NFL Red Zone. You made viewing all types of football way more enjoyable. <laughs> like shout out to Pro Football Database because they they've given. Like for all your stats keeping needs, but like they had a long list of Falcons blown leads, you know, and it's, it's just crazy to me. Like this, I gotta be honest. How does Dan Quinn still have a job at this very second? I guess the one argument you could make is that he builds the large lead in the first place. And if you're an NFL owner or GM or whatever, you just say, well, if he can stop the choking part, we love the part where he makes these giant leads for us. But how many more times can he do this, realistically? I don't know. I, I mean, the argument at that point is, would you rather have somebody like uh, Quinn, who make give builds up a huge lead and then chokes it away, or would you rather have somebody like... Uh, t- I'm taking shots at Adam Gase here. Would you rather have somebody like Adam Gase, who just is sort of a bad head coach and never gets the lead in the first place, and then you're going to have to fire him after two or three years and then rinse and repeat until you finally get an all-around competent head coach? Just bring in, like, uh, a reliever coach for the fourth That's quarter. That's genius! <laughs> like, alright. He, he goes, okay, yeah. Who, who are the coordinators? I want to see this. Dirk Cutter is OC. Alright, all right, Dirk. It's the third quarter. I'm going to go get a sandwich. You take over. We're up by 20 points, Dirk. Take it away. Uh, just to further the stats of this amazing collapse. Uh, yes, please do. All right. Uh, the Cowboys were 1-35 before this game when trailing by 19-plus at halftime. Uh, the Falcons scored 39 points without a turnover, and before that game, teams were 440-0 since 1933. What a what a nice record to have in your history books. Put put that in your new stadium. <laughs> yeah, put put that in your new stadium, Mister Blank. Twenty eight to three and four forty and one. Wow, you you beat a team four hundred forty to one. No. 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 It's like no, that's not even possible. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, to be honest, if I let a team score one point on me, I'd have that framed in my stadium. How great would it be if that was the only point the other team scored was the one? I'd be pretty proud of it. Dude, that, that's in like that's amazing in and of itself. But even if my team was the one that only scored the one point, it's like we did the impossible here, people. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's impossible. I mean, players have had pick it's twos before. Super highly improbable. Players have had a pick two before where they take a two point conversion and run it back to the house. All you need is like a like a Don Beebe situation. Someone like chops the ball at the goal line and if it results in a safety it's a one point safety. I never would have known that if it wasn't for uh John Boyce and his Scorigami video. I was gonna move on to the Bears. Um pretty you know, like if you're a Chicago fan, you're feeling good about it too Oh, start, you know, even at, like, I think there was a lot of trepidation of, like, Trubisky getting the go-ahead to be the starter, even after he brought in Nick Foles, but, I mean, he, he's thrown for five touchdowns so far, you know, he, he's led his team to some wins, had the comeback win in week one, you know, held off the Giants week two, and now you're facing a team that's honestly reeling, and you, you have a fair chance to go 3-0, and like, if you if you're the Bears, like that, that's some impressive stuff, right? Like that's what you need. Like kind of how we talked about in the last matchup, where like you need those wins early to help you, like later in the season. Like this is a stellar chance for them. It's a good chance, but I'm a little worried that Chicago will be on the wrong end of like the corner dog mentality that I think the Falcons have right now. Because when a team is 0-2 to start a season, it they typically fight like mad to not go 0-3. Because going 0-2 is bad for a team's playoff chances. Going 0-3 is basically a death sentence. Right. No, I, I understand. I I got I misheard you. I thought you just said corner dog. I didn't hear the cornered. Oh, no. So I was like, what's a corner dog? Yeah, it's like a uh, you double batter a hot dog, like a corn dog. But now it's a corner dog. Okay, two quick things. How did that not get anything? I'm leaving that in the edit. <laughs> I think that response was funnier than the joke. <laughs> uh, two quick things. Uh, the other 40-39 game uh, was the Chiefs beating the Browns. And the Chiefs were down 13 in the fourth quarter to the Browns before coming back and winning that game with a right. last-second field goal. <laughs> wow. Uh the other thing about the Bears, they might be bad, and uh, their 2-0 record might not reflect how good of a team they are. I mean, the Bears' comeback against the Lions week one was very impressive, but it also only happened after Jamie Collins got ejected for stupidly putting his helmet into the referee. That is fair point. Like, that's when the Bears took off. Uh, also, like, they sucked ass against the Giants without Saquon Barkley. You do bring up a fair point, and that's like... And that's the Falcons like... have been really good for the most part. See, and that's why I'm like, that's why the Falcons baffled me, because this is a team that should be fighting for its division, and now you're sitting in the basement with the Panthers, who should be there this year, arguably, but like, this is not, like, 
I, I agree with Logan. There, I think the Bears might, like, this might be the Bears' first real test. And it's a hard test to go through when you've got a team who just want, like, when you've got Matt Ryan throwing for 723 yards through two weeks, like, they're, I'm interested to see what the Bears' defense does to respond to that. I mean, Matt Ryan is killing it this year. Yeah, he's the second leading passer. Like he's got the most he's got the second most passing yards in the NFL through week 2, just a couple yards shy of Josh Allen. Which motherfucker who would have guessed that? Josh Allen leading the league in receiving is not something I had on my 2020 bingo card. Neither, neither did I cuz I don't think he's a receiver. Oh. <laughs> got that. I, no, don't leave that in. You left all of my AFC, NFC, and you leave that in. I'm just going to replace that with a second take of my corndog joke and hope it lands. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, God, that corndog joke. Great stuff, Logan. <laughs> that, thanks. You want some cheese on that corndog? Yes, please. Oh, my God. A cheesy corndog. Um, but, you know, and just I'm, I'm just quickly looking up... Um, just some like defensive stats for the Bears, you know, just just through two games, seeing how they've compared to these two, you know, to the Lions and the Giants. It's like, oh, it's two and zero, but I'm sure other people look at them like, yeah, but look who you played, you know. Yeah, I think not. I I do the. They have, the Bears have been better than I thought they would be this year, but they also haven't, like Graham pointed out, they haven't really faced what I would consider tough opponents. Yeah. I was, and I'm looking at the comparisons right now and it's like, you're down a lot compared to like, you know, your offense, you know, you're getting outgained on offense. Like you're allowing more yards than your offense is getting, you know, they're throwing it all over you. You know, the only thing that you really have is, you know, like on them is that you're stopping the run. Uh, argue, but you're barely allowing 100 yards a game at this point, and you have a turnover ratio of plus one. So, like, congratulations, but this is like, I don't know how this matches up this week, to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, so the Bears' leading receiver right now is Allen Robinson. Yeah. With 107 yards, and he wouldn't, he would be fourth in yards receiving in Atlanta's first game against the Seahawks. Wow, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I was, and, but you know, like, you look at the Bears and, like, the defense, like, that, historically, the defense is where it's at for Chicago, right? It's what got them their championship, you know, the 1985 Bears, like, it was not their offense, it was their defense. I will have to double-check this, but I looked up a stat years and years ago. I don't think the Bears have ever had a 4,000-yard passer. I believe you're correct. Okay, like this is this just occurred to me, and it feels sad to think about. But like, y'all realize that Khalil Mack is still on the Bears? Jesus, I forgot all about that. Christ, how did I forget that? Yeah, it's pretty great, isn't it? What? Listen, like when when he got traded to the Bears, that was such big news, right? Like, I'm not crazy for thinking. I was like, what? He's going to the Bears and gonna revive that defense? And, like, I'm not seeing super, like, impressive stuff through these first two weeks, you know? Like, he's, like, he, he did recover a fumble, 
Yeah, I think combined he's got seven tackles. He's only got one for loss. He's only hit the QB one time. Like, I don't know. Like, that's shocking to me. Like, this is the guy who was supposed to be, like, your... This was the anchor of your defense. Is he just really the only one out there right now? Or is it, or have they just kind of, like, pushed him back? I honestly I don't, don't know. know. Um, he, every single one of his numbers is drastically down since joining the Bears. Like, everything's down. Except for sacks that first year well, in 2018. Goodness. But, I mean, he only had eight and a half sacks last year. He's got one through two games this year, which means he's on track for eight. <laughs> Let me double-check my calculus. The Bears just don't strike me. I mean, this is their first test. If they come out and perform, then we should probably give five, ten minutes to them next week, maybe, because th- that would absolutely be a shock. Well, we'll, we'll, you know, it's like, I'll devote a little bit of intro time next week to talking about the Bears, but yeah, they have to win first. Or they have to blow a huge lead in Falcons-esque fashion, and then we can be like, oh, hey, looks like the Falcons on the other team, or whatever. <laughs> the Falcons of the North. All right, well, I say, I, I believe I've talked about everything that I found possibly interesting in this game, if we want to move on to picks, unless one of you has a, uh, has like has something else you'd like to bring up before we make our decisions? Um, no, I think I'm good. Uh, I'll take two corner dogs, extra cheese. You got it. <laughs> Another zinger by Logan. Hey, that's what I'm here for. All right. So moving on to the picks, like for the pick for this game, um, I'm gonna start with uh, letting you guys know what Tyler's feeling. Uh. Tyler is going with the Bears this week. Like I, th- I think Tyler's believing that they're going to start three and zero. Just, just off their, you know, gut instinct. Uh, what are y'all feeling? Let's start with Logan on this one. Uh, I'm taking the Falcons. I don't have much faith in their defense, but I have a ton of faith in their offense to put up just a mammoth amount of points. And I just don't think the Bears will be able to keep up. So I'm saying Falcons by, I'm going to say 12. I think they win in convincing fashion. I'm going to have to price is right you, but just go a little bit higher than that. Um, I also like the Falcons in this game, but I'm going to give them another touchdown advantage because I just think they're going <laughs> to unload on the Bears. Like I, I do believe in the corner dog theory where it's like, they if they lose this game, their season's practically done. You know, I don't know how much you claw your way back from this. So I'm gonna go with the Falcons. Um maybe not quite three touchdowns. I'm gonna say by twenty. Like I think they're really gonna fight for him. Uh Graham. Okay, so the Bears have had zero quarterbacks. Zero seasons where their quarterback has passed over four thousand yards. The Colts have had fifteen. So I'm going to say that the Falcons will win by 15. I like that's compelling math. By 15? By 15. I probably should have looked up the Ravens. Cons- I mean, the Falcons. Fuck me, which bird? Um, <laughs> the Pigeons. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go by the Colts logic. Well, you know, you got to support your team however you can. I mean, the Falcons have only had 10, and the Colts have a much better number. Can't argue with that logic. I agree. All right, and we're going to move on 
to the Internet Football Podcast's Game of the Week. Um, I think it was a pretty clear choice this week, three. Um, and that would be the Monday night game with the Chiefs traveling to Baltimore to face the Ravens. Um, we're not doing Miami-Jacksonville? We're going to do uh, Chiefs and Ravens, which, honestly, the battle the battle we're clearly watching for in this one is uh, Butker versus Tucker. Best kickers in the league. I mean, I'm kind of joking, but also kind of not. I mean, did you see Harrison Butker at the end of that game? Like, he, that man's got ice in his veins. Like, He went an unofficial 3-for-3 three three on 58-yard kicks last week. I think it was, like, wait, didn't they have a 4 Because, like, I thought he kicked one before the icing. That's what I thought as well. My friend said it was only from 53 yards, but I sh- probably should have done my own actual independent research. Oh, yeah, they had a false start. That's what it was. It was a false start. Okay, so it wasn't like, okay, but even like three unofficial, you know, three unofficial from 58, two official, and one from 53. This man was perfect from beyond 50 yards. Perfect. That's like we, I feel like the talk of the last few years is like that Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the league, hands down. But like, I think Harrison Butker is quickly making a case like they're on they're on par with each other. I would say they are on equal footing. Ah, oh, nice. You it's really split the uprights with that one, Logan. Ah, oh, thank you. It wasn't as corny as your corn jog joke, so congrats. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. This is uh this is gonna be one hell of a game. I'm glad it's uh I'm glad it's Sunday night. It's not Sunday It's night. Monday night, sorry, I'm an idiot. It's okay. Now, I'm not going to feel so bad when I wake up groggy on Tuesday morning. Because uh, at least I will hopefully have watched a very entertaining football match. Hopefully, right? God, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, well, and this one's interesting because this arguably should have been the AFC Championship match from last year. Had the Titans not done what they did, the Chiefs would have been going to, well, I mean, well, uh, accounting for, you know, well, no, because the Chiefs, like, assuming the Titans still went to Baltimore and lost to Baltimore, it still would have been the Chiefs playing the Texans. They would have done what they did, and then they would have gone to Baltimore. And, like, you know, you got two of the rising stars of the AFC. Like, clearly the what's shaping up to be the new uh, Manning versus Brady, like, saga in Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Yeah, honestly, I could I could watch these two play forever. It it'd be so much fun. Well, let's hope they stay with their respective Five years teams. From now, when the Chiefs have won three Super Bowls, and Graham says, "I'm sick of the Chiefs. Give me anybody else other than Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid." Because let's be honest, this podcast will certainly keep going for another five years, easy. Oh, uh, na- naturally. But no, like th- this is like this is such an intriguing matchup on like so many levels. I mean, the Ravens like look pretty clean through two weeks. You know, they they've. You know, Browns being the Browns, you blew them out. But then you you went to Houston, you battled Deshaun Watson, who arguably is like he's like this like he's like a half tier below these guys, I would say. You know, in terms of skill, unfortunately, in terms of weapons, he's got he's not on the same level. And and you just you manhandled them. You know, you fought them to a thirty-three to sixteen win, like. It, wasn't really that close of a game. The Ravens 
I think there were some questions, you know, it's like how we asked about the Falcons in the last one. I was like, well, how do you bounce back from that? I was like, how do you bounce back from being arguably, you know, how does a team who was the number one seed bounce back after a divisional loss? Like when you get to the AFC championship game, I think there's, you know, it's like, depending on who you're playing, it's like, ah, you made it to the championship game. Yeah, you should have made it to the Super Bowl, but you put up a good fight, you know. But to lose like they did, I think a lot of people were like, well, where do you go from, you know, like, is this going to be a pattern? And I think the Ravens right now are really trying to prove, like, no, like, we, like we've got this this year. Right. The fluke was getting bounced in the first, uh, the divisional round. The fluke was not them getting the first seed. Right, and, it's like, and and I won't, and I won't even count their loss in the previous year as a fluke because Lamar didn't even get a full season to start, right? Because like, when it's like, oh, he's lost two games, I'm like, yeah, but like, in that first year, like he didn't play a full season, he still was really co- more comfortable running it than actually throwing it, and the Chargers just drew up a, a heck of a defensive sequence against him. You know, he, he there just wasn't much that he could do in that game. Like, last season, he really got the chance to come to his own. Lamar did. And it, you know, in his first, like, real test at that, like, yeah, they lost again, but you can't always, you know, like, what's the old saying? Like, don't let the loss get you down, you know? And not only, like, you know, and and the Ravens didn't, like, I don't think the Ravens really hung up on themselves. Like, not only, like, they went out and, like, got even more talent. They're like, okay, so it, we didn't have it this year. We're going for it next year, you know, with even more. You went out and got, you know, like some great rookies in the first round. I mean, you got J.K. Dobbins was their first one, right? No, Patrick Queen. Yeah, Queen was their first one, and then you went and got J.K. Dobbins. So, okay, great, another running talent, you know, behind Lamar and behind <laughs> Ingram. It's like... Everyone talks about the Chiefs, but the Ravens, like, they're looking hard to stop. Like, at this point, if anyone's going to do it, it's looking like the Chiefs. Yeah, I I don't think there's much of a question that these are probably the two best teams in football, let alone the AFC. Um, I would be quite surprised, again, if either one of these teams were not in the championship game. Um, I, I would say even at this point, I might be given the edge. Bless you. Bless you. I don't know why I'm saying bless you because I've cut that out of the edit already. Um, but right now, I think the Chiefs near loss to the Chargers is a little concerning. I'm not pulling the fire alarm and saying that their season's already over. But, I mean, the... Baltimore Ravens have gone into two, I would say, fairly competent teams and just absolutely demolished them. So I, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this game 100. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring, but I also think the defenses will step up as much as you can expect to step up against the fo- the two most recent MVPs in the league. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't think I would go, I wouldn't go as far to say that like I don't think we're going to see another Chiefs versus Rams in terms of scoring but I am going to say there's going to be a lot of scoring you know and and the problem is like looking at just the Rams or not the Rams the Ravens through two games like it it's hard to know where to stop them right because like in the first game they went ahead and threw for 270 yards while only rushing for 111 
But then in the next game, you decide to only throw for 177 yards, and then you rushed for 230. Like, you know, so it's like, okay, as the Chiefs, which which one are you getting? Are you getting passing? You know, are you getting passing Lamar, or are you getting running Lamar? Or why not both? I think that's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't game. I think the Ravens sort of look at the matchup before the week starts, and they say... Are we more likely to torch them on the ground, or are we more likely to torch them through the air? And whichever of those two we match up better at, we're just going to take advantage of our advantage. So, when it comes to Baltimore and Kansas City, their offenses are explosive. They are tremendous. So, I mean, it's kind of like almost moot with the offense, so we kind of have to look at the defense. And Baltimore is killing it. Uh, According to Football Outsiders, they have the second-best defense in the NFL. They have the third-best rush, I mean, pass defense, and the second-best run defense. If you go all the way to the Chiefs, they are 19th in total defense, with the 17th-ranked pass defense and the 26th-ranked rush defense. So, obviously, they're going to have a hell of a time stopping Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on the ground. And they, even though this is only week three, they have already played a mutual team in the Texans. And the... Uh, Careful with your next words. <laughs> the Chiefs beat the Texans by 14, and the Ravens beat the Texans by 17. I thought you were about to start bad-mouthing the Chargers, where it's like, they haven't faced anyone like on that level. I'm like, hold on now. Really, like, between Cleveland and Houston, Houston is a shell of its former self. and So maybe Baltimore hasn't really played that good of a team yet, and Kansas City is its first true test. Mm. But, uh, I mean, it's hard not to look out what the Ravens have done defensively and not see them uh, even against the powerhouse of Patrick Mahomes coming out and kind of controlling this game. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting you bring up the defensive rankings because I think that's really what got the Chiefs um, in 2018 that, like, they had such a high-powered offense with Mahomes, but, like, their defense just really didn't have that good of stats, honestly, and... You know, when it came time to play Tom Brady in New England, like, it just kind of showed, you know. And I feel like they made great improvements last year, but I, I'm not sure. Like, it, Chiefs aren't really known historically for, like, stout defenses, I feel like. Whereas the Ravens have always had a history. Go back to Ray Lewis, right? Like, they, the Ravens, like the Bears, are teams that have like historically had fantastic defenses, and it's only now, really, with Lamar that you're starting to see like, whoa, can this team have an explosive offense too? What about the defense? And like you said, they're still ranked second and third. You said in the pass and run. Yeah. So it's like, so not only did you stock up on defense, but now you've got an offense to back you up. The the Ravens just look like a more complete football team. But that doesn't change the fact that this game is going to be fun as hell to watch. And I will be glued to it for the entirety of Monday night. Yeah, that is that is one. You cancel all your plans Monday. You order 
whatever food you want to eat, <laughs> just plant it. You know, hold all your like all calls till the following day. Like you, you've got, you've got something to watch. Absolutely. That's kind of all. That's all I have to say for these two teams. Okay. Well, I was gonna say like I think, uh, you know, sometimes I like to bring up like a team with an X factor, you know, and I like what I think might be a a bit of an interesting matchup um, because obviously like the Ravens' defense is a you know stout and. Yeah, good, and uh, the Chiefs receivers have been excellent, but what I think will be interesting is kind of like how the rookie running backs do for each team because what I think what I think some people don't realize is that like the Chiefs used their first-round pick to get uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's had a pretty solid start under, you know, like last week he, it wasn't that good. You know, he only rushed for 38 yards. You know, credit to the Chargers' uh, defense on that one. Week one kind of made up for it, though. Well, that's it. Like, week one, he ran all over the Texans for 138 yards. And if we go cumulative, like, he only ran for 38 yards, but he did, he finally saw some catches and got 32 yards out of it. So, all told, you're looking at 70, like, total yards in week two. That, yeah, that's fantastic, you know. And meanwhile, like, J.K. Dobbins has kind of had to sit behind, uh, like, he's had to sit behind, like, a plethora of running talent in Baltimore, but I wouldn't go as far to say that he's been bad um, to start. It's kind of nuts. I would not have guessed this before, but the Ravens do not have anyone over 100 yards rushing yet. Combined. Yeah. Lamar Jackson has 99. Gus Edwards has 90. Mark Ingram has 84. And J.K. Dobbins has 70. So, So they're truly playing a backfield committee. Kind of like what San Francisco did last year. Sure looks like it. I don't know, man. Hey, maybe this is the Ravens' strategy. Like, what if this is, like, they kind of looked at what the 49ers did, and they're like, wow, we should do that. <laughs> you know? Although also, our, although also our quarterback can run, too, so good luck. <laughs> yeah, all right. I think it is about time to, to vote on this one. A very tough decision this week, fellas, but what are we thinking? Um... Let's start with Graham on this one. I'm going to go against every single thing I said, and I'm going to say that the Chiefs are going to win by six. By six? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and insert uh, Tyler's answer here. Obviously, Tyler can't say how much uh, they think this team's going to win by, but Tyler's picking the Ravens this week. Um... Logan, let's go with you. I'm going to copy Tyler's pick uh, of the Ravens. Like we said, I think the Ravens are just a better team overall. And I'm going to pick them by th- I'm going to pick them by 2 points. I'm going to say Justin Tucker gets the better of the Butker Tucker matchup and hits one late to give him the win. Man, I should have went I should have went before you because that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Get roasted. Here, how about this? I'll cut him out in reverse order if I can cut out the silence for my corner dog joke. <laughs> uh, no. I, I'll i go ahead and actually price is right you on this one, and I think it'll be tied. The Ravens will get the ball last, and I think that Justin Tucker does kick the game-winning field goal, so they win by a grand total of three. Um, But I, I, but it, 
I did kind of joke at the beginning, like, oh, obviously the matchup is between Butker and Tucker, but honestly, I think this game is going to come down to who has the ball last, truly. Like, who has it last, and I think that team's going to win. So at this point, I'm saying that the Ravens going to have it last, but, like, if the Chiefs have the ball last, I see them winning this one, you know? I am thrilled to see if that prediction comes true, because that would mean it's an awesome game. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if any team ever has more than a 10-point lead at any point, let alone at the end of the game. Someone scores at the end of the second, and they receive the second-half kickoff. That's the only way I see that happening. That's fair. Yeah, neither of these offenses seem like the type to let an opponent score multiple times unanswered. All right, so now that we've talked about our three games, it is time to move on to... uh, our cheesy picks, a.k.a. Fitzmagic's fast picks, a.k.a. fast questions, fast answers. <laughs> anyway, it's the segment where we go through quickly the rest of the games going on this week. And we are going to ask just a question. Um, could be really about anything. Could be about, like, player matchups. Um, could be about, uh, you know, sports line betting. Just anything like that. But we're going to go through and we're going to ask everyone their opinions uh, and just give kind of the A and B, yes or no uh, answer. So let us start with the Thursday night game, uh, Dolphins and Jaguars. Um, Jaguars off to a great start, honestly. Uh, fighting hard for a one and one, you know, like getting that week one win and then fighting the Titans to, like, to a three point loss. That, that's pretty impressive. Dolphins lo- still looking. I'm sorry, Graham. Go ahead. Week one's loss because I'm a Colts fan and I view things all. I view all things positively. Week one's loss to the Jaguars doesn't look as awful anymore. Absolutely not. You should be proud of that loss. <laughs> and meanwhile, the Dolphins still looking for their first win of the season. You know, Dol- after getting uh, pretty spanked by the Bills. You know, I don't think the scoreline truly does justice to that game. Anyway, um, but this question this week, the over-under as it stands right now as of this recording is at 47 points. Where are we picking, like, so I just want to ask, do we think we're going to go over 47 combined or under? Um, I'll let you guys know that uh, Tyler picked the over on this one. So, Graham. The Jaguars have the 27th ranked defense and Miami has the 31st. We are going way over, baby. I'm going to go with the under on this one. Going under. I think Miami's poorest defense was more because of the teams they played and not because they themselves are bad. Or at least not that bad. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of looking at this one. I was like, both teams are allowing about 26 points a game. So I, going by averages, I think I'm going to have to go with the over on this one. All right. Moving on to Rams going to Buffalo. Uh, Rams... <laughs> After getting three sacks in week one, uh, get blanked last week against a depleted Eagles line um, and got zero sacks on Carson Wentz after he, you know, good break for Wentz after getting sacked eight total times by the Washington football team. And now they go ahead and face a mobile quarterback in Josh Allen. My question this week for that is, do the Rams get two sacks this week? Like in team total, not a specific player, but just the team. Do they get two sacks? Uh, Graham. Yes. I also agree. Logan? No. No. Uh, Tyler is also on the yes train. 
Okay. Moving on to the Washington football team versus the Browns. Um, both of their number one receivers putting up pretty good yards. Odell, after you know having some concerns about his you know about how many times he gets the ball per game, put up a pretty solid performance in the Thursday night game, uh, catching four of his six targets for 74 yards and one touchdown. Meanwhile, Terry McLaurin, clearly the favorite target of Dwayne Haskins, seeing the ball ten times, catching seven of them for 125 yards and one touchdown. The question this week is, who gets more receiving yards between OBJ and Scary Terry? I'm going to start this one, and I'm not going to go against Terry. He got me that one in week one. I'll pick him again. Uh, Logan. I'm going with Mr. McLaurin. Um... Tyler also picks McLaurin. Graham. Graham also picks McLaurin. He's almost doubled OBJ's receiving yards so far. Absolutely. We all betting on Scary Terry. All right. Moving on to Titans going to Minnesota. Um, Vikings looking pretty dang awful against Graham's Colts last week. Congratulations on that win. Um, And obviously Kirk Cousins looked pretty awful in that game and I think he'd love a bounce back game but uh, two other players that would love to have a good game after their shoddy performances are the running backs you know both putting up solid numbers I would say you know Derrick Henry only got 84 yards though against the Jaguars defense which once again like should be tanking but is surprisingly doing well and meanwhile uh, Dalvin Cook managed a meager 63 yards for for a player that is uh, in the upper echelon of running backs at this point so, who has the better game in this one? Does Derrick Henry have more rushing yards, or does Dalvin Cook have more rushing yards? Uh, let's start with Logan on this one. Uh, Derrick Henry. Henry. Okay. Tyler also picks Henry. Uh, Graham? Shockingly, Minnesota and Tennessee are 22nd and 23rd in rush defense. So, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry because of how bad Cook did last week. I'm going to go against the... I'm going to go against the group this one. I'm going to go ahead and say Dalvin Cook has himself more rushing yards. Okay. Moving on to Raiders and Patriots. Um, the newly minted Las Vegas Raiders starting the season 2-0. and uh, Congratulations to them. I still kind of hate you, but, you know, congratulations. Uh, listen, it's hard to get rid of that bias, okay? <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so the Raiders, you know, off to a 2-0 and start, and their quarterback... Uh, Derek Carr getting, you know, playing the ball very safe, um, has thrown a couple of touchdowns at this point. I believe it was at least four, if not five, and has not thrown an interception yet. Uh, but meanwhile, the Patriots, he goes up against the Patriots defense, which has four interceptions through two weeks. So my question is, how many interceptions will the Patriots get in this game? I'll let you guys know that Tyler is saying zero. Uh, let's go to Graham. Uh, I'm going to say that it's a big fat zero. Okay. Hmm. I'll go one. Logan? Deuce. Two. Two for Tuesday the 22nd. He's liking the twos today. Alrighty. Um, moving on to Bengals going to Philadelphia. Um, you know, this is a matchup of 0-2 teams, both of them looking for their first win of the season. Um, and it's hard not to talk about Bengals' new quarterback in Joe Burrow setting a 
record for uh, completions by a rookie with 37. However, I'm like while that's impressive, I would hope so if you have uh, have to throw the ball 61 times in the game. And at this point, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Burrow has not completed. You know, he he's have a very D level uh, completion rate with only completing 64% of his passes week one and 61% week two. So my question for this game is, does Joe Burrow finally reach that C level? And does he get 70% completion on the game? We will start with Logan on this one. He's no Drew Brees, so I'm saying no. 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 Uh, under 70. Uh, Tyler says yes, he will. Graham? I'm going to say no. What the hell has happened to A.J. Green, by the way? He owed. Yeah, he is. He's only caught eight of the 22 balls thrown his way. Ugh. Yeah, it's bad. Jeez. I know for I know there's veteran experience, but maybe T. Higgins should start seeing a few more targets. All right, moving on to Texans versus Steelers. Um... This is an interesting matchup. You know, Texans with high hopes, looking to get their first win of the season. Uh, Steelers starting off hot with the return of Big Ben and, you know, 2-0 and start. Um, you know, Steelers defense, as usual, is playing phenomenally and has not allowed a rushing touchdown through two weeks. You know, having faced the likes of Saquon Barkley and Melvin Gordon, you know, they, they have not allowed one person to run in for a touchdown. Not even the fullback, Graham. Not even the fullback. But uh, meanwhile, uh, David Johnson, after scoring that pretty good touchdown in week one, got blanked against the Ravens. So my question is, do does David Johnson specifically get a rushing touchdown this week? Uh, Graham. He's riding my bench this week, so he probably will. So you are saying? Yes. Yes, he will get a touchdown. Rushing touchdown. Okay. Uh, Logan. Not a rushing touchdown, but I do think he finds the end zone through the air. Hmm. So, but that's a no, because I, I was... That is a no. Right, so that's a no. But with a qualifier that he does get one, just not as a rushing. Uh, Tyler agrees with you. Here's the thing. I think I'm going to have to say no, because I think he's going to have a really good run. And then Graham's going to have a new segment for his, like, all out for the fullback. <laughs> where the fullback, like, snipes it. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on to Jets versus Colts. Um, th- this is quite the interesting gr- game. Obviously, lots of things to talk about here. Did that sound convincing? It did. Yeah, I was waiting to hear what was exciting about this game. Those acting classes are really paying off. Man, I I do feel bad because like these are NFL teams, but like it's a uh, this this game doesn't bring a whole lot of excitement to the table. I mean, Colts Colts did get a good win. Like last week, you know, taking it to the Vikings. Uh, congratulations on getting that first one of the season. Uh, Jets. I uh, hear Jets. they're going to have a couple fifth graders do the announcing for this game. And uh, in the middle of it, they're going to show what they've drawn during the course of the game. Here's what I've drawn up. It, it's the second half of the Jets playbook. <laughs> and then they'll compare whether or not Sam Darnold drew something better. All right. But, you know, it, you know, it's stretching our question muscles. We are looking at the line for this one you know the betting line they have Indianapolis at a ten and a half um so naturally people are thinking that the Colts should cover the spread in this one and win by 11 points so I'll ask you do you think they do that win by 11 
Uh, I'll let you all know that Tyler is not hopeful in this one and thinks the Jets will cover the spread in this one. So, sorry, Graham. <laughs> Graham, why, how are you feeling about this? If the fucking Colts don't beat the Jets by 11, I'm going to lose it. So, is that a yes, they will? Yes, they should. They should beat them by 20. It, it, there's no reason we should lose this game by anything less than double digits. I've heard that before. I was going to say, like, I think the Cowboys had a similar thought last year. Yeah. I think Graham had a similar thought week one. <laughs> Listen, we were talking about unknowns in week one. Yeah, Sam Darnold is still Sam Darnold, okay? Now he's got two games worth of evidence to say that the Jets should not w- should not cover the spread on this one. Uh, Logan. I'm saying the Colts cover the spread. Yeah, I- I'm going to have to agree. I, I don't think... <laughs> No offense to the Jets, but I, I just, how, you know? I swear to no. God, if Frank Gore beats the Colts, I will just, I, fuck. He'll have to buy a Frank Gore jersey. Yeah, I will. All right, moving on to some afternoon games. Uh, we're starting with Panthers and Chargers. Um, I didn't even mention Christian McCaffrey and the injuries. No, you didn't. Yeah, he he'll be out for a few weeks, too. And that, that is why my question this week relates to rushing. Um, Chargers front seven has had some solid stuff, but they've been allowing uh, a little over 100 yards uh, rushing a game so far. You know, as a collective unit, I'll, no one, well, actually, no, Joe Mixon in week one did uh, rush for over 100 on the, no, wait, no, no, he didn't. I'm totally lying. But, like, the, the collective units have rushed for over 100 yards um, on the Chargers so far. Uh, but this front seven is starting to gain some confidence. Um, and unfortunately, with Christian McCaffrey's sideline, they turn to Mike Davis as their lead option. Um, and I I apologize, I don't know the entire depth chart. But my question is, do the Chargers prevent the Panthers from running more than 100 yards in this game as a collective unit? Um, Tyler is going to lead this one off. And Tyler says no. And I will go ahead and believe in them and say yes. Logan? Uh, I think the Panthers get 100 rushing yards this week. Get 100. Got it. Okay. And Graham? I'm going to say they hold them to less than 100. Less than 100. All I right. trust in Justin Gobert. Alrighty. Uh, moving on to the Buccaneers traveling to Denver to face the Broncos. Um... Broncos, unfortunately, without their young quarterback and Drew Locke sidelined with a multiple-week injury, uh, turned to Dr- Jeff Driscoll, you know, a bit of a veteran back, had, has a few stars under his belt, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, had himself a fair game last week. You know, he... Uh, Is Driscoll for sure starting over Blake Bortles? Mmm, that's an excellent question. I would say probably, but I don't think that's confirmed yet. You know, I'm going to, okay, so I will, like, so in the, so because of last week's, like, snafu in the, in me saying would Tyrod have more, I'm going to be very vague about this because we don't know who it is. So I'm going to say the Broncos QB, whoever it is, versus Brady, who's going to have a better touchdown to interception ratio? Because looking at the numbers, like, let's say that Driscoll does start, in that game he threw two touchdowns and one interception in just one game. Meanwhile, Brady has thrown three touchdowns and three interceptions 
in two games. So by the end of the game, who should have the better differential? But like or yeah, better ratio between touchdowns and interceptions. Um let's start with Logan on this one. I'm gonna say in the following order, it's gonna go Jeff Driscoll best differential, Blake Bortle second, Drew Locke third, Tom Brady fourth. So you think so you think the Broncos collective unit is going to have a a better differential than Brady? Uh sure. I would say each individual Bronco will have a better differential than Brady. Wow, this is hardcore reverse jinx territory. Yeah, Grand, that is the strategy. I was gonna say, like, I know th- I know this play. <laughs> like, there's no way that Blake Borles ends up with a better one than Brady. Well, zero is better than negative one. That is true. He could just do. No, he could play. He could do a Tyrod in Week One and just throw for no touchdowns and no interceptions. Correct. Well, I'm not. I'm, this isn't like a joking pick. I think Brady's gonna throw like two picks and one touchdown. Drew Locke, sitting at home, will throw none and none, and he'll beat Brady. I'm being totally serious. <laughs> I understand. Uh, I believe. No, Tyler's going against you on this one. They say Brady's going to draw even, and assuming Driscoll starts, they say they're going to have a negative two. Well, good for him, because he's going to win, because I picked against the Bucks. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Graham? If the Broncos were smart, they'd start the immortal Blake Bortles. <laughs> and uh, Blake will immediately throw three interceptions, uh, and Brady will easily win this no matter who the quarterback is i'm gonna have to side with logan on this one that i think and i i do think i think whoever starts for the broncos will probably end up with a better one probably because they'll be a little shyer about throwing whereas brady will not be so i i'm gonna go with the broncos the broncos starter i'm assuming it's driscoll but who knows Okay, um, moving on to Lions versus Cardinals. Let's see what I have for this one. Oh, yeah, okay, so this was funny. So you mentioned, like, this actually kind of goes back to what we were saying about uh, the Ravens rushing unit, right? So you said that, like, no one's had over 100 yards rushing on the Ravens, right? Correct. So it turns out there were no 100-yard rushers in Week 1, but the person that was closest to it was Kyler Murray, and he did have a 100-yard rushing game. Until the point that he had to take two knees. Wow. He had 100 yards rushing on 11 carries and ended up with 91 yards on 13 carries because he had to take two knees at the end of the game. He took two knees for negative nine yards? I'm I'm guessing he, he, he did that thing where, like, you step back. Like, it's not a quick knee. You probably had to, like, eat some clock up, you know? Uh, so you back up, like, five yards. You sort of dance around a little bit to make sure you don't get tackled and lose the ball. Exactly. But yeah, so um so that one was funny and he he had a good rushing game last week too, but he just like he was so close to the 100-yard rushing game. And meanwhile, the Lions have the worst rushing defense in the league right now, having allowed 408 yards of rushing so far. Uh I'm imagining that Aaron Jones accounts for most of that. But my question this week, which is kind of a fun wild card one, does Kyler Murray finally get that 100-yard rushing game? Um, 
gonna go. I'm gonna let you guys know. Tyler said yes on this one. Graham, I'm going to say no. But quick shout out to my friend who lost five hundred dollars on Patrick Mahomes running backwards for fifteen yards at the end of the Super Bowl. Oh my! Are you serious? Wait, what? Hold on. What was that about? Okay, so he had like a, I think it was a four leg parlay that what that had won at the before the last Chiefs possession, and then Patrick Mahomes decided to run backwards for 15 yards while he took his three knees, and suddenly the over rushing yards went to under rushing yards, and his bet did not win. <laughs> And he lost five hundred dollars. If he had just taken one yard knees, he would have won oh, five hundred dollars. Your friend didn't lose five hundred dollars. He just didn't win five hundred dollars. No, I say he lost five hundred dollars because that it was it was a win and then it was a loss. I mean, I, I sort of understand that, but your friend put out some X amount of dollars, which was not five hundred, and then they lost that X. They didn't. It's not like the money was in the bank and he bet that $500 on the parlay. So if it were you in that situation, you would say, oh, I didn't lose $500. I just lost the $5 I spent on the bet. That is what I would say. <laughs> you are a bold individual and I will not call you a liar. I say it to clear it up because it illustrates that the parlay was worth $500, not that your friend put $500 on the parlay. Okay, That's why that I would is, say it that way. Okay, yeah. He did not put $500 on the parlay. That's what he would have won. Okay, yeah. So that's why I say it that way is to avoid confusion because <laughs> my parents have done the same thing where it's like, oh my God, you bet $700? It's like, no, no, no. I had like an eight-leg parlay. <laughs> I put $5 on it. Yeah, so, so what did what did your friend put on there? Uh, I think it was ten bucks. Ten bucks? Yeah. Couldn't have gotten a DiGiorno for that. Yeah, but if they had won the 500, they could have gotten, like, 400 DiGiornos. Logan, how is your math so off? Hey, it's just a good pizza for a good price. Oh my gosh. Um... Shout out to Tombstone. Ugh. Really? <laughs> no, don't go buy Tombstone, buy DiGiorno. I'd almost rather eat a physical tombstone. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so where we were at... I'm, I'm taking Kyler Murray under 100 rushing yards. And I'm taking him over. <laughs> I'm taking him over on this one. Want to bet a DiGiorno on it? <laughs> no, those are too valuable. Those are like gold. I'm not risking that. Alright. Uh, moving on to Cowboys versus Seahawks. Um, This is quite an exciting matchup. I, I believe it's goes under like Fox's NFL game like America's game of the week. Um but yeah, like for justly so, like these two teams uh coming off some astounding wins, you know, down to the last second. Um but something I wanted to bring up in terms of the Seahawks, like I'm impressed that they have gone two and zero. The one thing that concerns me about them is that they have dang near allowed four hundred yards like, they're averaging like four hundred yards passing allowed. You allowed Matt Ryan to throw for 450, and I understand that, like, oh, okay, he, he had to throw at the end of the game to, like, try to get him back in it. But in a hotly contested game with Cam, you allowed 397 yards. So, like, that, for a defense that's supposed to, like, have really revamped, you know, and be like, we're back, it, it's a little scary in week two. You know, after two weeks having almost allowed two 400-yard passers, and now you face Dak, who went ahead and had himself a 450-yard passing game against the Falcons. 
So my question this week is, can the Seahawks, or does Dak get another 400-yard passing performance against the Seahawks in Seattle? Let's start with Logan on this one. I will say, yes, Dak will hit 400 yards, but I will say the Cowboys lose. Wow. Hmm. Uh, Tyler says that Dak will not get 400 yards. Hmm. I'm torn on this one. I'll I'll believe in them. I'll say no. Graham? Uh, Seahawks have the 29th ranked pass defense in the NFL. That means there are somehow three teams doing worse than the Seahawks. That's actually astounding to me. <laughs> Cleveland, Jacksonville, and Miami. That's suddenly no longer shocking to me. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Dak goes over 400. Okay. And the final game for this super fast segment that is... Like, definitely the fastest part of this. Uh, moving, like, the last game for this week is the Sunday night game in the Packers versus the Saints. Um, I think we're, you know, both teams, unfortunately, had pretty, like, pretty big losses in terms of, like, number one receivers. Um, Michael Thomas still hobbled by that ankle injury, and Devontae Adams having to have uh, gone out in week two. I'm, I'm not sure what his status is for week three. Um, but I mean, you, you both lost, you know, arguably if these two don't play in week three, like you without your number one targets and you're going to have to spread out the ball, uh, more, you know, find a new target until they get healthy again. But my question for this game is which team will have the receiver with the most yards. So the, the leading catcher, like they don't have to be the, like, it doesn't have to be like the person who threw more. It's like the the individual performance of a of a receiver having more yards and it could be like the tight end the running back whatever but someone's going to have who's which team's going to have the person with the more receiving yards individually logan i say this uh the saints do and i think it's the tight end jared cook so i'm going saints Say that's a say that's a safe bet. Um Graham. Uh I am going to say that Alan Komodo Dragon Lizard shocks the world and comes in second to Alvin Kamara. That was such a Graham answer from beginning to end. Gosh, I, I actually did make a mark. I'm like, oh he thinks Packard No, I have to cross that out. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Love you. I love you too. Uh I honestly think that the that the supporting like I know we talked bad about him week one but looking after two weeks like I think the supporting cast of the Packers is a bit more well-rounded than the one of the Saints right now I'm gonna go ahead and say the Packers have the person with the more receiving yards and Tyler agrees with me he's thinking Packers too Alrighty, and on that note, that will wrap up this episode of the Internet Football Podcast. I want to thank you all who stuck around with us and uh, gave this a listen. Thank you, uh, Graham and Logan, for chatting again. You know, it's it's always fun. This was better than pairing a corner dog with a DiGiorno pizza. I'm always happy to do it. Really going for that sponsorship. (laughs) I'm hoping, fingers crossed. Could you imagine we get to the Thanksgiving episode and it's like actually a video one, and but instead of like a turkey and stuff, it's like a DiGiorno pizza. I'd be so happy. 
If you are looking for a fullback to score a touchdown this week, Graham recommends Andy Janovich from the Cleveland Browns. Really? Yes. Because he's number five. (laughs) He's number five on the list of fullbacks with the highest contract. Well, how could you beat that logic? You can't. I can't, certainly. I I don't know. I I think I might I might have to go with Mr. Alec Ingold. I mean, he's already riding high off the fir- off being Vegas's first touchdown scorer. Might as well get another one in Foxborough, no less. All right, that'll do it for this week. Uh, we will see you next week for another round of chatting, a couple of spicy cheese picks, and talking more about the sport we love. All right, until next week, have an excellent week and stay safe out there. Goodbye. Be well. See ya.